Welcome to When Opportunity Knocks, where each week we bring you the story of a woman who saw an opportunity and turned it into success. Join us as we dive into how she did it and the lessons we can all apply in our own business and life from her experience. And this week we're going to talk about a topic that I think is near and dear to everyone, and that's employee happiness. As business owners, it's important to us to be able to attract, retain, engage, and keep those employees that are most important to our business, the ones that are the right fit, that have all the right skills, the ones that can really power our business and move it forward. So I'd like to take this episode to talk a lot about that topic and to look at what motivates people and how, to, how you can attract those great employees. You know, studies show that happiness really does matter. And a recent Gallup study, which I cited in another episode, shows that roughly 70% of the American workforce is just not engaged in what they do for work. And if you'll recall, if you've heard that other episode, you'll note that it's really pretty much the same across the board, depending um, not on whether you're male or female, or whether you have a high-paying job or a lower-paying job, or what your education level is. It's really pretty much the same across the board. And it's also a proven fact that happy workers are more productive by between 12 and sometimes as high as 20%. And one study claims that happiness is fleeting and that chasing it just leads to disappointment and actually leaves you more unhappy than you were when you started. I read a New York Times article published that called was called The Formula for Happiness, and they actually sort of laid out what you need in order to be happy. So let's take a little look at that. The article mentioned the psychological and economic studies that have been happening for about four decades. And so clearly this is an important topic if we've been studying it for 40 years. At the University of Chicago, they mentioned they were doing a study every four years asking people how happy they were. And the numbers over the decades were surprisingly consistent. The article says about 10 to 15% of people admitted they were not happy. It's probably a little higher than that, but that's how many admitted it. And in that same article, it cited researchers at the University of Michigan who determined that much of your ability to be happy is hardwired in your genes, almost 48%. So that's pretty compelling. I've often... um, heard people say, oh, I do that just like my father, or I get that from my mother, and that's actually true. So whether you're a person who is a glass half empty or a glass half person may be somewhat hardwired in your genes. I had a guest on here, um, and I repeated her show just last week, and she talks about being um, having preferences or perceptions that are kind of hardwired, and glass half full, glass half empty is almost one of those. She cited six of them, and it, you know, if you're a person that tends to be um, negative as opposed to positive, that can impact your ability to be happy if you're looking at everything from that lens. 
Now, in that episode, she also says it's possible to rewire the way you think about things. So that's an episode um, with Casey Kerr that's definitely worth listening to. But even if you go with the fact that 48% of your happiness is embedded in your genes, that still leaves 52% that isn't. So they claim at uh, the University of Michigan in that study that about 40% is determined by the one-time events that happen in our life. Things like getting a new job that you're excited about or buying something you really want or getting married or those kinds of events. Unfortunately, that flavor of happiness tends to be somewhat fleeting. It doesn't really last. And if we're always chasing that um, because we're hardwired in a way that doesn't allow us to perhaps experience as much happiness as we would like, you can see in our society today evidence of that in the bye-bye-bye sort of uh, mental attitude we have we call ourselves shopaholics, but, you know, we go on junkets and vacations and adventures. We're always kind of looking for that next uh, bit of happiness. The answer is always trying to find that next thing that we can buy or do or be that will make us happy for the moment because it is fleeting. So we become like addicts. It's easy to see how people have garages full of stuff they don't use or are in debt up to their eyeballs on their credit cards because we consistently are looking for that instantaneous fix, that immediate gratification that makes up that 40% of our happiness. And that's really a downward spiral because, as you can well imagine, and maybe some of you experience that, once you're in that spiral, it's very hard to break that habit and it really doesn't bring you lasting happiness in the first place. So the article goes on to say that if 48% is hereditary and 40% is from one-time events, that still leaves 12% of our happiness factor that we can control. And the article said that the best way to do that is by pursuing four basic values, the values of faith, family, Friendship and community and work was actually in there as well. Work. Work, happiness matters. It matters because it's one of the 12%. And work is embedded in the American fiber. Work is part of who we are. It's our culture. It's even in our character. We are a culture of achievers. You know, in business, we strive to make money. That has long been the measure of success. And while that satisfies stockholders and stakeholders and earns tidy sums for business owners and officers of corporations, as a mark of success, it doesn't really trickle down to employees. Even if it did, it would do little to motivate them. It's been a long-established fact that money is not a motivator. Money can be a demotivator. Not having enough money is clearly a demotivator. But you can't buy engagement or good work ethic or stellar customer service or good quality production of your products and services with money. It takes more than that. Look at how many celebrity figures 
you can name who had plenty of money. And by an average man's standards, they were on top of the world. But they left the world prematurely, some of them, due to a drug overdose or some other self-destructive behavior. Money does not make you happy. Franklin Delano Roosevelt was president during one of the darkest times in our history. And he said, happiness lies not in the mere possession of money. It lies in the joy of achievement, in the thrill of creative efforts. And that is so true. Now, when we talk about motivation as business owners, most of us have heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. That's a pretty well-established motivational theory created by Abraham Maslow back in the 40s. And the theory stated that people all have the desire to move up the hierarchy. It was just a matter of satisfying the lower levels of the hierarchy before you could achieve the higher levels. So being motivated by a desire or a need is what really fuels us. And if you think back on the hierarchy, it started off at the base. It was in the shape of a triangle, and it started off at the base, filling the basic needs, basic psychological and physical needs. At the very basic level was things like air to breathe and food to eat and water to drink and shelter, warmth, sex, and sleep. Those are the basic needs. And the theory says that if you can't have enough food to eat or enough water to drink or enough clean air to breathe, you may never get up the hierarchy to the next level. So the level that is number two is the safety needs, meaning the protection from the elements, security, things like stability, law and order, being free from fears. A lot of people stay in jobs they don't like the security and the stability of it. Many people stay in relationships that aren't good for them for the same reasons. So these are very important basic needs. Level three is about love and belonging needs. You need friendship. You need people. We're social animals. Intimacy is important. Trust and acceptance. Being able to give and receive love. Affiliating with a group, being part of something, family, friends, and yes, even work. So being in an environment where you have that belonging satisfied is an important basic need. And the fourth basic need is the esteem need, the ability to achieve, to master, to have some level of prestige and some self-respect and also the respect from others. It's about your reputation. So those first four areas of the basic needs were often described by Maslow as the deficiency needs, meaning if you don't have those things, you're deficient and you keep reverting back to one of those four areas to satisfy those needs before you can move above that. Now, the original Maslow's triangle had the fifth and final Uh, area at the top of self-actualization, meaning that you're realizing your personal potential. You have self-fulfillment, personal growth. 
but the hierarchy has been extended actually by Maslow to include some other things. So let's talk about those for just a moment. After the four basic needs, ending with the self-esteem or the esteem needs, came the cognitive needs, which is the knowledge and understanding need, wanting to be curious, having a need for meaning and predictability. Things like the Discovery Channel and the History Channel satisfy those needs. Above that are aesthetic needs, appreciation and a search for beauty and balance and form. And that's why we have the arts. It's so important because it is part of what we need in self-expression as people. And finally, the top of the extended triangle talks about the transcendence needs. And that's where those have achieved the needs at the top of the pyramid are helping others to achieve their needs and helping them achieve self-actualization. It's an interesting look at how we're motivated and one that I think businesses should take another look at. So let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk more about motivation and why I'm sharing all this with you in terms of employee happiness today. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. One of my mottos for business owners is, you can't do it alone. Whether you're in the startup stage of your business or you're scaling, you can't grow without relationships to provide support, wisdom, and new customers eWomen Network is your home to connect with other women entrepreneurs who've been where you are or are experiencing the same challenges. We have chapters across the U.S. and Canada that have monthly events featuring our trademarked process called Accelerated Networking to ensure you get the contacts, resources, and leads you need to grow your business. And once you become a member, you get many benefits, including two one-on-one coaching sessions, unlimited access to our membership database, your own personal profile page, and discounts on products and services with our business partners, such as UPS and American Express Open. Join the eWomen Network community and let us help you live your dream. For details, visit eWomenNetwork.com. If you are a woman who struggles in a business world that keeps your earnings lower than they should be and doesn't support the success you want, no matter how long and hard you work, then I would like to speak with you. Hi, I'm Nancy O'Keefe, and as an executive coach, I'm on a mission to help women maximize their earning potential and create a business life that serves them. You know, success is unique to each one of us. And cookie-cutter career and business models don't give most of us what we want and need. I help women just like you develop their own style of success and learn how to find more opportunities, increase their earning power, and create a business life they love. I'd love to speak with you. Sign up for a free Love Your Business Life consultation with me at www.nancyokeefecoaching.com. And let's schedule a time to talk. Are you struggling to implement a consistent presence for your business on social media? So many social media sites and so little time. 
You can minimize the time you're spending posting and managing social media without a big reoccurring monthly bill. Get help to put a strategy in place that will maximize your presence on the sites that are right for you. Get you more results because you're consistent with your message and minimizes the time and effort it takes to do it. Contact me at nancyokeefecoaching.com. Welcome back to When Opportunity Knocks. We're talking about employee happiness and how it's important. You know, we've already said people power your business, and that is why employee happiness is a key factor in being successful. And it's sad, but a Harris poll confirmed that only one in three Americans are happy. And according to a survey done by LifeTwist, only one in four Americans still believe that wealth determines success. The survey's author stated that Americans are increasingly placing greater and greater priority on living a fulfilling life, in which being wealthy is not the most significant factor. So why am I talking about all these studies and statistics? Because they help to confirm that happiness matters, but as our society has changed and our ability to satisfy those basic needs at the base of the Maslow hierarchy have changed, the hierarchy itself changed, and our definition of happiness has changed too. Happiness matters even more than it used to, and yet we are less clear what the definition of happiness is and we today to get clarity around it and define it. How many of you have ever thought you were unclear about your purpose in life? I see workshops and seminars popping up all over the place that talk about purpose and meaning and reinventing yourself. And this is a symptom of the whole fact that we really have no good definition for happiness in this day and age. You know, happiness is pretty simple. We have blizzards where I live, and when you have a foot of snow being driven by hurricane force winds in a storm, very often your power goes out. And that means you don't have any light, you don't have any heat. And all of a sudden, that lantern you have and your fireplace and that can of soup on your pantry shelf becomes the most important possessions you own. You're back to survival mode, and you're satisfying those basic needs of food, shelter, and warmth and safety. I remember one storm. We had a lot of snow. Power went out, and my kids were elementary school age at the time. But we played games by flashlight and firelight, bringing our family closer together. We were warm. We were happy. We had food. We had soup. We were having fun. My daughter was actually disappointed when the power came back on, and she asked if we could keep the lights off and keep playing, which we actually did for a couple of hours. And this winter, we experienced another blizzard with power outages, and my daughter, who's grown now, built a fire in her fireplace and gave her kids, who are elementary school age, flashlights. They played games just like we did. 
My seven-year-old granddaughter was so excited to tell me about it after the storm was over and they got their power back. How they kept the lights off even after the power came on because they were having so much fun. Happiness in its pure form. Happiness may have roots in our genes, but it's based in our core values and how well our life aligns with those values. As a career coach, I learned this lesson from every client that came to me dissatisfied with their job or their career. Their dissatisfaction was almost always based on a value that wasn't being honored or respected, one that they didn't have the ability to express in their work, or one that was being trampled on by the policies and practices that they worked in. I once knew an attorney who was a defense attorney, and he represented some of the worst criminals. He really hated his job. When he came to get career coaching, he talked about how miserable he felt defending people that he knew had done something wrong or something bad to others, but the proof um, was such that the case could not be made and they got off, and that was his job, to get them off of the charge scot-free. So in looking at changing careers, there's a lot of education and a lot of time, money, and effort that goes into becoming an attorney. So we talked about the fact that maybe being a defense attorney wasn't the best avenue for him to express himself. If he felt compelled to uh, wrongs of society right, that maybe he should look on the other side of the courtroom and become a prosecutor. And he did that. He was a lot happier in his career. He actually even made less money because prosecuting attorneys don't get paid quite as well as defense attorneys. But he was happier, and that gave him more job satisfaction. And that was key and more important to him. So when we come back, we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, let's explore our values a little deeper. And we'll be right back. I'm looking for a certain kind of woman, and I think you know her. She's an entrepreneur that is highly connected, successful, significant in her own industry, and considered the go-to woman in her community. She's received so much from so many women in business, she's ready to give back to others on their journey, lifting as she climbs. Hi, this is Sandra Yancey, and I'm the founder and CEO of eWomen Network. I'm looking to connect with the woman I've just described who lives in your community so that we might have a conversation about how eWomen Network's proven success system can provide her a platform to elevate her success and ability to support women in business. Our international community of managing directors are influencing the speed of success for women in business around the world. If that sounds like something that you want to be part of or know someone we should talk with, send an email to managingdirector at eWomenNetwork.com. That's managingdirector at eWomenNetwork.com. And let's start the conversation. You can be the best at what you do and still not find the success you want if your ideal clients can't separate you from your competition. So how can you stand out? You need a sustainable competitive advantage that gets clients' attention. When it's hard for clients to differentiate you from others that do what you do, 
you need to help them see you as the best choice. I call it a superpower. And the good news is, everyone has one. So contact me, Nancy, at nancyokeefecoaching.com to learn how you can discover your superpower and stand out from the crowd. Welcome back to An Opportunity Knocks, and we're talking about employee happiness and how important it is. So let me ask you a question. As an individual and as a business owner, do you know what your core values are? Your values are used every time you make a decision or every time you have a strong reaction to something that's going on. Your values are the basis for your why in the world, why you do the things you do, why you hang out with the people you hang out with, why you surround yourself with the things that you do, why you live where you live, and why you work where you work or work at all. Your values are the bedrock of your character. Things like integrity, freedom, fairness, health and well-being, or family are all examples of values. And when you understand your values, and make your decision in alignment with them, you will find true happiness and satisfaction in life. Because happiness is when what you think and what you say and what you do are in harmony. And those are the words of Mahatma Gandhi. When you make choices that don't align with your values, you feel uneasy or bothered, even guilty. And it leads to dissatisfaction that often just festers and makes you feel really bad. Sometimes we're not sure why, it just doesn't feel right. And it can create a down cycle of emotions that can take you to the depths of the depths. In our companies, we want to increase employee engagement. We want to attract and retain the best employees. So we need to be clear about our company values. And, that, and it isn't enough to say what you think your values should be or put it on a plaque in the lobby for everyone to see. It's about what your values are. Actions speak louder than words. Employees see through false values. And it, your values have to be put in practice every day in your organization and be part of your hiring process and everything that you do. Only then will you be able to attract, retain, and engage the right people in your organization. Let me share with you some stories that demonstrate how values show up in organizations and how it impacts employees. My family was vacationing in Central Florida recently, and after feeling a little theme parked out, if you know what I mean, we decided to take in an attraction called Fantasy of Flight. It advertised a large collection of vintage aircraft, biplane rides, and air shows, so we went. I happen to love airplanes, and the collection of aircraft was very impressive, dating back to a plane that was circa Wilbur and Orville Wright. There was a TWA passenger plane from the 30s made of what looked like corrugated metal, and it really looked too rickety to even fly. And then there was a huge British flying yacht. 
There were German planes, a rare American B-24, B-25s, P-51 Mustangs, and an old propeller plane that was used for transatlantic passenger flights. Can't imagine that. Out back sat two hangars, and we were encouraged to check out which warehouse bits and pieces of old planes and parts were waiting to be used in the next restoration. You see, in addition to displaying the planes, they restored them. There was even a carcass of a Japanese Zero that they had recovered from the bottom of the Pacific Ocean, complete with bullet holes. At about 1.30, as advertised, it was time for the air show. We lined up to watch with the other spectators. A man got on one of those trucks they use at the airport to tow planes from the gate, and he went into the display that we had just visited and hitched up a shiny P-51 Mustang. He pulled it out of the hangar, hopped into the cockpit to warm it up. Then he taxied it over to where the crowd was assembled and shut down the engine. He hopped out of the cockpit, picked up a microphone, and started to address the crowd. His name was Kermit Weeks, and he was the owner of the attraction and all of the aircrafts and parts we saw that day. He was an award-winning acrobatic pilot and talked about his plans for fantasy of flight. He told us that the P-51 Mustang he was about to fly, he told us that the weekend before he had had the few remaining Tuskegee Airmen who flew those red-tailed Mustangs in World War II, now in their 90s, on the site to celebrate their contribution to the war. And then he said something unexpected. He told us why he started Fantasy of Flight and spent millions of his own money buying and restoring old aircraft. For him, the aircraft were more than just a collection. His reason for doing it went well beyond that. He wanted an interesting way to bring history to life. He wanted to remind us of the important principles that made our country great. It was our innovation, our constant desire to push the limits and to reach for the stars that made the USA a leader. He said that for him, flying was a great metaphor for the American spirit, the ultimate freedom. He urged us all to exercise our right to our ultimate freedom, the American dream. And if you don't hear values in that, I mean, that's just incredible. And he charged us each $30 that day to see a collection of planes that cost him millions. It was a bargain if we had just gotten that. But he gave us so much more. He reminded me that entrepreneurship is also exercising the ultimate freedom, part of the American dream. A business owner's belief in what he or she does is every bit as strong as Kermit Weeks' belief in flight. As entrepreneurs and small business owners, we push the limits and reach for the stars with every vision we have and every decision we make. As a consultant and a coach, I work with business owners to help them build a strong foundation of people, process, and systems on which they can build a business. One of the key aspects of what I do is to help them examine their goals and what they want their life to look like. Once there is a clear picture of what's important, what they want out of life, what their values are, then and only then can we build a business to support it. It's almost never 
about power, and it's never just about making money. It's almost always about quality of life, making a difference, building something that evokes pride and excitement. It's about a different set of values than the ones that seem to be driving our big corporate way of life today. The values of power, money, greed, control, and growth at any cost. So what do you value? What does your business value? I'm not asking what you think you should value or what you've been told you should value, but what's in your heart and at the core of who you really are and why you started your business. Think about that for a minute. And when we come back after our break, I'll tell you another story about values. And we'll be right back. Are you tired of playing small or earning less than you are worth? What could you accomplish if you were given the opportunity? If you want more, more influence, more impact, more income, and more success, then join me in my new program, Get Savvy, Secure, and Successful. Learn the skills and strategies you need to find the opportunities you want to put your real value out in the marketplace and maximize your earning power in your business or career. To learn more about the program, go to nancyokeefecoaching.com and look under our work in professional development. Are you tired of playing small in business or in your career? What could you accomplish if you were seen, heard, and given the opportunity? If you want more influence, more impact, and more income, join us at Women's Leadership U. That's the letter U. We are a mastermind program dedicated to preparing women for leadership roles. Learn the skills that employers are looking for and business owners need. Gain the confidence and know how to move your ideas into action. To learn more, visit us at womensleadershipu.com with a capital U. why it's important for employees to be happy, and how it has everything to do with values. A business friend of mine, I'm going to call her Kathy, had a very successful career. She was always highly valued wherever she worked. She was a solid contributor. She was definitely the kind of employee you wanted in your business. And she made well over six figures, lived in a beautiful home, drove an expensive sporty convertible, had gorgeous jewelry and clothes, a handsome husband, two great boys, everything anybody could ever want, right? Well, as I got to know her better, I began to see the stress cracks in her life. She traveled a lot for work, as much as three weeks out of a month, and she felt the strain of being on the road, so she drank a little more than she should when meeting with clients and spending so many evenings alone in a hotel. Her husband cheated on her when she was away. He was probably lonely, too. Her kids did okay. They got into the things that kids get into, but there wasn't much parenting available to guide them out of it. She had what she wanted, power, prestige, money, until the day she received a pink slip from the company that she had been so loyal to. And when she turned around to go home, back to what what should have been her support system, 
there was very little there. Her marriage had fallen apart. Her boys were older, busy in their lives, lives she knew very little about, and they had become used to doing without her, so they didn't really need her for anything. She had lost so much more than her job. She lost everything that really mattered to her. Unfortunately, she didn't realize what really mattered most until it was too late. And you know, there are way too many stories like Kathy's out there. Men and women who are the fallout of corporate decisions made for the impact that decisions have on the bottom line, rather than a strong value system. With very little consideration for what it does to the families, towns and cities, the economy, or the country. We really have to look at our corporate values. They're so important, not only to keeping our most important asset, our people happy, but to keeping our organization sound. If the values you practice as a business owner or as an organization are the ones that keep people misaligned or hold them down in the basic needs area of Maslow's hierarchy, then that is where your organization will stay. And you won't be able to get out of survival mode, not really. And you'll be unable to reach the full potential possible for you and your organization. Remember that people power your business. And the key to motivating people is making them happy. And that is all about values. It's not about putting a ping pong table in the break room or putting snacks in the refrigerator, although people like, but it goes much deeper than that. When people get in the car and drive in a congested highway or take a subway train or a commuter situation where they're packed in like sardines, to go to a place that doesn't appreciate them and doesn't really have the values that align with theirs, you have to admit that is a recipe for 70% of Americans not being engaged in what they do. Why should they? So think carefully about your values as an organization because if you have the right values, you'll attract the right people. And it's not just about having the values. It's about communicating them and living them each and every day sharing them, and making them a front and center part of how you run your organization. Because those values will resonate with the people that you want to attract, people that are high performers, the people that are the people who power your business. I hope this episode has helped to help you understand what you need to do as a business owner in order to set your values down really from the heart, and communicate them to your employees, to your customers, and to your stakeholders. Thanks for listening. That's another episode of When Opportunity Knocks, and we'll see you next week.